Welcome to the Remarketing Podcast. My name is Jerome Lewis. I am your host for today. The Remarketing Podcast is a podcast where we talk marketing, tech, business, and leadership. We talk these things for real estate agents, real estate investors, and real estate entrepreneurs. The Remarketing Podcast has two purposes. Purpose number one, like you, Jerome, your business, your service, or your product in a way that provides value to you, including market exposure and content creation. Purpose number two, educate and inform our audience and listeners. With that, we have, I have a name. I have, we have the same name. So this should be, this should be fun. We have Jerome. He says, he, he has a bio. Are you stuck in the matrix? Many of us are silently asking ourselves, is there more to life? Jerome Myers is a developer of people and places. He is the founder and chief inspiration officer of two ventures. Dreamcatchers is a boutique coaching firm that supports firm and first and second generation wealth creators to self-actualize and attain transcendence and the Myers development group where he helps ordinary people invest in multifamily real estate in a way that creates generational wealth through these entities he gets to live out his childhood dreams of helping people manifest the things they imagine and he is the evidence that dreams should be real it's leaving corporate America after building a $20 million division. Jay has become one of the most sought after thought leaders in the multifamily development space. His company, the Myers Development Group, built a multi-million dollar portfolio following the principles of Myers methods. This success had led him being featured on top podcasts such as Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever with Joe Fairless, Apartment Investing with Michael Blank, Multifamily Investor Nation with Dan Hanford, Target Market Insights with John Kassman, and many more. Although he's often told that he makes investing look easy, the people closer to him know the road wasn't without challenges. So he created Myers Methods, a real estate education company, to dispel many of the myths related to the industry and edu- educate investors on his four-step process to owning and operating apartments. Jerome, welcome to the show. I'm excited. I'm glad to have you here. Brother. Uh, so grateful to be with you. Thanks for having me on with you today. Absolutely, man. And I, um, I was going through. I want to learn. Uh, I want to go right to your bio, and I would like you to tell me, tell us, like what the Meyer, Myers method is, and uh, take us through that process. Like, what are the four steps, and then we can get into like some of the questions. Yeah. So Myers methods is our four step process for buying multifamily properties. It's four F's, man. Find, fun, fix, and flip. And the f- find process is where you go through and you look for leads. You look for sellers. We teach people to go direct to seller instead of trying to buy stuff off of brokers. Really hard to f- make those deals actually work, especially in this rate environment. After you find the seller, you get under contract, then you go into funding the deal. That's putting your business plan together. That's finding your partners. That's getting the capital both from the debt party or the debt source, as well as the risk capital, as we call it. And then once you close on a property, you move into fixing it, which is executing the business plan that you created in the previous step. Once you get through that, you got a choice. You can either refinance it or sell it. And that would be the flip, which is what we look forward. And so when you go through this, the goal is either to refinance it and pull off your original investment out or to sell it and harvest that equity so you can go buy a bigger stream of cash flow. 
Okay, awesome. So I I got off track a little bit, but one of the things that you said was direct to seller, and what I'm used to hearing is people say go to brokers. So, but I want to do, but what I want to do is that's like a marketing question. So I'm going to hold that and I'm going to jump right into the questions that we have already. Mm -hmm. So I want you to go into more detail about that because most people say go to the broker, and you have like an opposing opinion, and I want to talk about that. I'm going to deep dive on that. So. With that, I would like to start off with the business questions first. And the first business question that I have for you is um, tell us tell us one thing about your business and your venture that you didn't expect. But... Uh, it's hard. Like, I, I think most people don't actually understand just because you can walk into real estate that it's not going to be difficult. Like I could just go buy a house. I could just go buy an apartment. I could, I could just go buy that. But that doesn't mean that you're going to make money. And so the opportunity to actually create cash flow from the asset is heavily dependent on what you buy it at. And so we were hinting at, hey, well, go to a broker and buy it. That's the path of least resistance. And because there's less resistance, there's additional costs that's embedded in the price of the property which then raises your cost basis, which then will reduce your cash flow, depending on how you finance the debt on it, if you get any cash flow. And I guess the last piece of it is just when you look to exit, will it have actually grown in value so that you actually get what is the need of the return, which is the appreciation. So okay. the short answer is if you don't understand the math behind being in the real estate, then you're guaranteed to lose your money because there's somebody on the other end who does understand the math. Okay. And can you tell us like, like a high level overview, like what are the math? I heard you mention like cost basis, like what are some of the numbers with that? Yeah. So in general, I, I tell it this way, right? So when I was young, I used to get a personal pan pizza every time I read a book for book club. And some people may remember that program, maybe not. But I would have my pizza, a piece of personal pan pizza. And this particular night, I was walking in the backyard. I had two dogs, Lady and Tramp. And so Tramp jumped up trying to get a piece of my pizza. And I moved away and the pizza slipped out the box. It fell on the ground. Now I had one piece in my hand the other three pieces fell on the ground. The dogs ate two pieces. There was one left. It had dirt on it. It had grass on it. I picked it up. I put it in a box. I was like, I'm going to blow this off after I finish eating my piece, right? That piece that was left is the money, is the piece that would go back to the lender in a multifamily deal, the way that we teach people to buy them. So the piece that I was eating was my profit. The piece that fell on the ground is 25%. It would go to the lender. The other 50%, those are expenses. The dog ate those. That was a tax for me being in the backyard with them. And so if you think about every real estate deal in that way, 50% is going to go to expenses. 25% is going to go to pay for the debt and 25% is available to me. Now, if any of those other pieces grow, then it's always going to come out of your piece, that 25%. And so the amount of money that you spend to acquire the property is going to be directly related to how much it costs for you to service the debt, right? So that 25% piece grows if you spend more money on a property than you should in our, in our model. So okay. and then the operational expenses, if you buy a property that has deferred maintenance or it's a whole lot of lift that needs to be done in order to get it to market rent, then those expenses are going to grow. 
right? And so whether it's the expenses or the debt, those things are the what will constrict your profit. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. It absolutely makes sense. And I, when I first started in real estate, I tried to get involved in multifamily and it was like complicated. And I was like, I, this is not for me. Um, and I love numbers. I love commercial. And I was like, I, I got to go over to single family because this is too confusing. And we haven't even, what, we haven't even been 10 minutes in. You've been like explaining things in a very simple uh, format for me. Like it, it might not be easy, right? Like you're saying, but it is very simple the way you're explaining yeah. it. And I can understand, I, I even see like hints of the, like you said, like four, I even see hints of it and you haven't like, so, so I appreciate that. With that, um, I, I kind of want to touch on that marketing question because I, I always like marketing. And I want you to talk about, like you talked about direct to seller and it, it's actually appropriate because you mentioned like most people, they go to the broker and then it's like, you only got what, whatever percentage that you have left. It's no more left for the deal. Like how, how do people make that work? So I want to hear you talk about um like how you go direct to seller and how you make that effective yeah it's all the same tactics that you use in single family if you're a fix and flipper or a wholesaler right it's taxes call it's networking it's mail right it's the same strategies that everybody uses to get the leads in a single family the issue is that there's fewer people in the multifamily side especially if you're in the two to four range and so what we encourage people to do and we don't like the two to four, we prefer a commercial loan, but we, we encourage people to reach out to the owner. The people who own properties that have less than a hundred units are typically less sophisticated than the folks that will own the larger unit properties, mainly because of just access to capital. The people who own these smaller properties usually own them by themselves. So they don't have investors to report to. They don't have other people who are in the deal that can influence the decision so you can get directly to the decision maker and so there's a deal our first deal that we bought in greensboro where we were able to get to the dad who owned the property his son was doing property management for him they weren't taking great care of the property and it ended up in a cycle that we call a toilet bowl so basically what happens is if you don't charge enough in rent if you don't continue to raise your rent you don't have enough money to make the investments to keep the property up to snuff. And when that happens, then you end up start stealing from, like robbing from Peter to pay Paul. An example is instead of buying a new appliance for this unit that's getting ready to go back on market, you take one from another one and bring it over there, right? And then you're waiting for the vacant to be ready to be rented and then you go buy another unit. No, like, Every unit needs an appliance, like leave the appliances in the units is the way that we think about it. And so as we were going through that process, we just needed to convince the dad that he was in a space where this was going to continue to eat at him. And when you deal with some of these property owners, the fact of the matter is the majority of their net worth is tied up in the property. They got the property for cash flow, but it's not sitting on the cash flow. So in order to get the cash flow to them, they need to unlock their equity. They can unlock their equity in one or two ways. They can refinance it or they can sell it. What I found is the owners that are closer to retirement don't want to refinance. They don't want the debt service. And if you got a property that isn't in great condition, you're not going to get great a number on it from a refinance standpoint. So their next option is to sell it. And that's where we come in. We can buy the property at the right cost basis so that we can make the investments to improve it, raise the rents, and then get into that space where the property can take care of itself 
versus being in this toilet bowl where it continues to go down because you can't raise rents because the property's not in great condition. Okay, I see. And so this, like, one of the questions that we often ask here is like, tell us about a common myth within the industry that you disagree with, right? So um, I kind of want to ask you the question, but you already answered it. So I want to hear your insight on like this myth. And the myth is like, you have to go straight to the to the uh, brokers, not the sellers. So can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely a myth that the brokers are the only people with deals. If you're someone who doesn't have a tremendous amount of capital and you want to become really valuable, and by valuable, I mean, have something that other people want to partner you on you on, do what the broker does because they're doing the exact same thing. They're reaching out to sellers of these are oh. owners of these properties on a continuous basis right so if they're reaching out to them you can reach out to them too there's nothing that prevents you from reaching out to them and some of them want one of these clean transactions where it's under the radar their property isn't getting marketed their profit and loss statements aren't getting sent all over the country they just want to work with a local buyer then that's going to take care of their property and has a vision for the property because the majority of the folks that i've talked to never bought the property to be a slumlord they had these ambitions to make it better. And when you come in and you say, hey, I'm going to make it better. I got to buy it at this price so that I have enough room in order to do my capital improvements. Then they can get excited about the fact that they're going to be selling this to somebody that's going to take care of the property and in turn take care of the residents there. If somebody's owned a property for 10, 15, 20 years and they're self-managing it, they know the people who live in the units. They have a relationship with them. And oftentimes the reason why they don't raise the rents is because they feel guilty about raising the rents on the folks that live there. And they're doing everybody a disservice by doing that. But the fact of the matter is people see the humanity in each other. They don't want to cause undue pain to those folks. So they choose not to do that. And then it ends up biting them later on. But the myth truly is there is nothing that prevents you as a buyer from talking to a seller or an owner. It's only this construct that we've built around the fact that we we need to wait for somebody to say that it's okay for you to talk to this person. But calling on people who own property, they're investors. It's for sale. It's just a matter of at what number and can you make that number work in your model? That makes a lot of sense and I really appreciate that. That actually gives me like inspiration and hope because uh, when you do, it's like you, that that uh, analogy that you made about the pizza, it makes a lot of sense. It's like, well, if you do want to invest, you're only going to get like this much of the deal. And it's like, well, is that all you can do? You can get more doing other investments. So it is, it's not really encouraging to kind of invest unless you do it another way, which like what you're proposing here. Uh, with that, um, I would like to know, like take us like from top down, like we don't need all of the details, but like, how do you analyze or how do you go after a particular property? Do you pick like a market? Do you just uh, shotgun everybody? Like, what is that marketing process like? No, I, I think that you have to pick a market and okay. a market isn't a state. A market isn't even a city. A market is a neighborhood and you get the subset of the properties in the neighborhood that meet your buy criteria. But from from there, then you go to, okay, what characteristics do I want the property to have? There's neighborhood characteristics and there are individual characteristics of the property. And then you want to make sure that that is paired with the property manager that can actually 
execute on that type of property. I've seen folks take property managers from the single family world. I was one of them and use them in a multifamily world. That's not going to ever work out for you. Well, the expenses are going to be out of what you can tolerate. You, you don't want to take somebody who deals with C or D class properties, the lower properties think areas that have dollar generals or, uh, church's chickens adjacent to them to a property where it's a plus plus think amenity wars things pools think covered parking think all of the nice amenities like lockers from amazon like those two property managers are not going to be able to manage the same property and so it's as much about the market asset as it is about the operational team because in multifamily in particular, you don't make money because you bought it. You make money because you operate it and you improve the net operating income on the deal. And that's the biggest difference between single family. You can treat a single family house like a widget, right? I bought it for 10, I can sell it for 12. I can just trade on the margin. But what people are looking for in a multifamily space is I'm buying a business. You've got a trailing financial. How did you do with your financials and did you make it worth more because you raised the net operating income? When, when you say uh, trailing financial, could you clarify like what that means? Yeah. So uh, say I own a property for 12 months. Every month there's a financial report that comes out. Most of most investors that I know want to see those months of financials before they're able to make an offer to you. There's one thing to buy it on a price per unit, very similar to what you would do with a single family home. There's another thing to make an offer on it based on how much net operating income is being generated by the property. And for me, when you're talking about recessions and you're talking about things, bad things happening in the economy, I don't want to be tied to a market where if the person next door loses their job and they get a low ball offer and they accept it, that it negatively impacts the value of my property. I'd rather be in a space where my property is making X amount of dollars and I can control that based on the income and the expenses and the way that we navigate those that, and I can continue to drive up that net operating income. So the trailing of 12 financials is your profit, or I'm sorry, your income, your expenses and your profit for the past usually 12 months got it thank you uh so one of the things that you mentioned earlier you said that um i, I like actually like what didn't you expect and you're like it's it's hard and uh that's what i realized in like our just just about any starting a business it's like it's hard but it's rewarding with that like understanding that it's hard and it can be like a little bit difficult what would you say is like the most important personality trait that a person should have to like be successful uh, like you are? Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that I'm successful. Some days I feel like a failure in every right. But I, I think what people need is the humility to go ask somebody who's done what they want to do, how they did it and pay them if they charge whatever price that they ask for in order to get it done because there is so much learning that happens and you can waste your learning energy on level one issues or you can do it on level 10. And I'll equate this to like a kid going to school with a hungry belly. Like they don't care about anything a teacher is talking about if their stomach is growling, 
right? All they want to do is figure out how to get something to eat. And so that's what those base needs, those core level issues, you can skip over all of those and then get to the higher level and learn that type of stuff. But having that in the end system that shows you exactly how to do the thing will give you a framework where you can make decisions and those decisions don't have to feel so vast and you can avoid fatal flaws. And that's, we talked a little bit earlier about the Myers method, but that's a, a roadmap or a blueprint for um, oh, that, yeah. right? Like that's, that's oh, something yeah. that helps. Um, could you, and what if it's like, you know what? I, I want to talk to Jerome directly. Like, do you have something like that? Like, can they pay you for consultation or what, what's that process like? Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's really expensive and I don't really get excited about talking about multifamily anymore because the course is so good. Like okay. it gives you the exact process that we use to buy our portfolio. You, one of the deals we bought, we bought one deal in, um, in November of 2017. We sold it earlier this year. We bought the deal for 1.3. We sold it for 3.6, right? So less than five years, we were able to almost triple them value of the property using the exact same process that we described in the course. And I don't think most people can say that they're doing it that way. Most people are figuring it out as they go. But what do you do when somebody has issues on the property and you haven't closed yet? What do you do? Like what's appropriate? Some people feel guilty for saying, oh, well, we need to, we found out new information. We need to make an adjustment to our deal. Other people are like, oh, well, I just walk away. But you can leave so much money on the table just in that one step. And, you know, there's one mistake that I made along the way that I share pretty regularly. Um, there, We were going through due diligence, and this is in the same vein of the thing that I, I was just sharing with you. We're going through due diligence, and I didn't have the utilities on in every unit. I didn't make sure that the seller did that. And so as soon as I started my rehab after closing, I found out that the water was off in a unit because there was a busted pipe in the upstairs bathroom. So imagine turning the water on and then going into your unit and being greeted by water coming downstairs in your townhouse. And then you go look at the unit next door and you see that water is oozing out of the cabinets in the kitchen because of the shared wall. Well, I could have avoided that had I had an actual process that told me, hey, Make sure all the units have their utilities on when you do your inspection so that you are aware of any of these issues. I, I didn't have that, though. I, I, I figured it out and it was a very long, tedious and expensive process. And so we're trying to save people from that. OK. And uh, just one of the things that you mentioned was, was due diligence. Could you tell us what that is and could you talk about how important that is to, to yeah, it is due diligence? Due diligence is the most important thing you can do, right? So finding the deal is one thing, making sure that it's a deal you should buy is something completely different. And that's what due diligence is. So is all the stuff that you told me true? Part one. Part two is, all right, let me go through the property and understand what I'm going to have to do in order for this property to be in the condition that I'm comfortable with. And that's different for each owner. And so you go through and you do the physical inspection of the property to make sure that it's in a condition that you're comfortable with. And if it's not, then you get the opportunity, in my opinion, to negotiate a concession or a reduction in price to cover those expenses if you don't get somebody to take care of the things that you've asked them to do. 
Okay. And obviously, like you said, this stuff is a little bit complicated and your methods, like everything is in there in your Myers method, like your, your product, right? Yeah. The, the course is multifamily kickstart. Multifamily kickstart. How, how can we get access to that? And can you like, just talk about it a little bit more again? Yeah, it's an 11 week course with over 25 hours of co- recordings, additional supplemental homework for you to get this in the end system to prevent you from losing the money that you've worked so hard to earn with the desire to invest in, in real estate. Leads and deals aren't the same thing, even though they have the same letters. And we want to help you be able to grab the knowledge that you need so that you can evaluate leads and determine whether or not they're deals so that you can create the generational wealth that most, so many of us aspire to. In the course, you find our four-step process, find, fun, fix, and flip. We put some uh, dreaming and visioning on the front end and a quick start on the back end so that you have not only the information, but bookends so that you will have the motivation to continue through the process, as well as something to guide your activity over the next 90 days after you finish the course. We spread it out over a weekly basis so that you actually do the work instead of just binging on the content and walking away and then asking questions about what you were supposed to do because that is the issue with implementation we just consume 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 and we think we're good that's not the way that it works best we want you to work through it and then when you get to the end of the road hopefully if you did everything we asked you to you'll have a deal that is ready for partnership and then We'll put, plug you into our community with uh, experienced investors who will be able to help you get access to the capital as well as a bunch of other dollars if that's a shortfall for you. But this is the key if you want to get into a multifamily deal and you don't have experience, you don't have a ton of money to becoming valuable enough to partner with because you have a contract on a deal that actually makes sense. Could you tell us, like, is there, like, how do we find access? Like, is there a website? Do we email? Yeah, so Jerome Myers, Jerome, or I won't send them there. We'll go to MyersMethods.com. Okay. MyersMethods.com. And I'll get that in the show notes too. Thank you. Appreciate that. One of the things that you said was, you said was deals, leads are, and deals are not the same, even though they have the same letters. Can you tell us about that? Like, what's the inspiration for that? Oh, I like that. Down. <laughs> picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah, man. So brokers have leads, I, regardless of what people think. They, they have leads. And so back to the math piece of the equation, if you don't understand the math, you're going to buy something where you don't have a chance of making money. There's no guarantee that you're going to make money, but you want to buy something where you actually have a chance to make money. And a lead is not that. And so a lead would be something that you need to negotiate either terms or price so that you can get it to a place where you have a chance to make money. And then if you operate well, then the deal will have made sense and you will make money on your investment. Thank you. Appreciate that. I um, And you also mentioned like implementation. I think, like you said, you, I'm picking up what you're putting down. It's vital that people implement, right? They go on YouTube and they go different places. So I admire how you have your course set up, like go do this. Like there is action behind the stuff that you're learning. You can't just learn everything or binge it. And then you got all these questions. You need to apply it. Right. So when I talk to people, like whatever it is that I'm talking about, like implementation is key. Right. I even talk about marketing. I'm like marketing implementation because we understand marketing, but we're not implementing. We're not applying those things. So, yeah. 
implementation. That. You learn so much more from implementation than lecture. Absolutely. There's this uh, thing called the cone of learning. And like all the way on the bottom, it talks about the importance of doing. Like you learn, like you retain like 90 or 80% of the information from doing. We're like watching YouTube and listening to audios, but we're never doing anything. And it's like, well, well I can't get anywhere. You got to actually go do something. Right. So um, I appreciate you. The let me see. Next question. Uh, we might have hit it on this, but I'm going to exit anyway. If we if we did address it, just tell me and we'll move on to the next one. The next question I have for you. What's one thing about your job? Not, not your job, your field of expertise that almost no one agrees with you about. Ooh. <laughs> so there are four things every investor is looking to overcome knowledge deal flow experience and capital most people be believe that capital is the most important thing capital is the least important thing i gave it to you in this order because it is the order that you have to overcome it knowledge deal flow experience and capital i want you to climb the ladder climb the pyramid in that order if you have capital but you don't have experience well let me go up the ladder if you don't have the knowledge you can't tell whether or not you've got a deal right you just don't know right if you don't have deal flow then there's no reason for you to have partners who have experience because you don't have anything to partner on if you have if if you don't have experience then you're not going to get capital so many people believe that the 20 to 40 percent that we raise to do a deal is the important money it's not what the important money is is the primary amount of money the 60 to 80 percent that comes from our debt and so stop focusing on the 20 percent. stop focusing on the bank money and focus on finding a deal because you have the knowledge to evaluate the leads and then partnering with somebody with experience. And that's how you break into the space. Okay. So next question, what's one piece of advice you would give someone starting out in your career, your field? Pay somebody for the knowledge of uh, in the end system. I, I spent 40 hours a week listening to content, trying to put a system together. And I made so many mistakes. I, I've literally lost millions of dollars by not actually making that investment when I got started. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, let's see. All right. Tell us about the biggest challenge you're facing right now and how you're tackling it. Man, it's where to place time. It's where to place time. I have realized that time is the most precious resource and you get a return on that time and you can work all the hours of your life that you want. You can not work all the hours of your life that you want but where do you actually get fulfillment from that investment of time how are you tackling it by measuring the stuff okay. and determining how it actually impacts my life if i do we'll do 700 coaching calls this year right 700 plus i think we're already over 700. what does that bring joy or should other people be doing that and we be focusing on something else? Do, do we take more vacation time? Do we limit the time that we coach? Like all of that, I think is extremely important. Do, do we take the kids on more vacation? Like where is prioritizing the things based on the impact that we want to have is what I'm going through and collecting data 
to help with the prioritization i think is the way that we're navigating that thank you for that so we're going to move on from like the more technical business questions and i'm going to move on to the personal questions first personal question i have for you what's your biggest failure and what did you learn from that experience man pick one i've got so many in different places right if i had to pick a really big one um i would say it's probably man and if, if i had to pick my biggest failure It would be taking a promotion where I made an extra $800 a month in after-tax income, but gave up my ability to impact the lives of young people. So there, there was a point in my career where I was coaching football at night and working as a project manager, engineer, manager at the, in the day. And I got put into a, um, I got an opportunity to work for a global consulting firm and that required me to travel. And I'll never forget flying back into the Richmond airport, seeing a kid break for an 80-yard touchdown, watching the cheerleaders do flips, seeing the band playing and the crowd going wild and start crying because I felt like the place where I had the biggest impact in the world was with my team, with my players. And I, I gave that up for an extra $800 a month after tax dollars. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Next question. If we, if you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Hopefully inspiring people to make their dreams a reality. I'm a firm believer that dreams should be real. So if I can help just one person believe that and take action against it, then I think my time is well spent in that day. I, I think you have already. I don't know, like, like all of the coaching students, but I think you have, and I think you are even today like I, I don't like give out compliments for nothing like you make the multifamily stuff seem much more you make it seem like okay i can do this i can tackle this compared to like the other yeah. uh coaches and teachers it's like oh you got to do this like i never heard i thought about the theory of going direct to seller but now i'm like oh that's a possibility you just and oh, yeah, of course you, you're not going to want to go do it by yourself but it's like all right let me go get some insight and figure out you know um, how I can do this, you know, I come to like, that's your strategy. That's what you're applying. Like me as an example, if I'm ready to do multifamily direct to seller, I come purchase your course and I do that right now. I have that roadmap or that guidance on how I can get involved. And it makes so much more sense. Uh, the numbers like that dog analogy was a great analogy. So I think you impact. I think you are. Uh, I'm pretty sure you know you are. But yeah, that's that's great. How next question. How would your parents describe what you do? They, they don't get it. Um, what's funny is it, it was, I don't know, maybe two or three Christmases ago. I'd take them on a tour of the properties that we own here in Greensboro and the contribution, the, the first property we get to, my mom says, hey, why does that say Myers? <laughs> and I just kind of smirk and it's like, hey, will you guys get out and take a picture beside the sign? And then we, we get out and we go to the next property. She's like, you... What do you own this too? And I was like, yeah, we do. And she said, oh, well, which part? Do you own these or do you own those? It's like, no, we own all of it. And she was like, oh, well, you need to fix your parking lot. Oh and my I, God. I just got a kick out of it because, you know, it, it wasn't any of the other stuff. It was oh just, my God. Hey, 
if you're going to be somebody who is responsible for other people's homes, you better make sure that you have a property that is in the condition that actually makes sense for those folks to live there. And so yeah. <laughs> I, I think what they would describe it as if I had to pick a word is good. We're doing good in the world. We're, we're improving the lives of other people. We're giving them a quality place to live and we're hopefully inspiring them to go live out their dreams and make them a reality. Okay. So one of the things, uh, I'm going to move on to the next section and it's like bonus questions. I don't think you were able to pick them or I might not have had them there. But one of the things that um, is, and it's a little bit self-serving, right? Because I want to like see how I can bring value to my hosts or my guests. So the question I had, like one of the things people always say, can I pick your brain? Can I pick your brain? It's like, no, you can't pick my brain. You, you got to find a way to bring value to me, right? So bonus questions, they're like meant to stomp some people some people like knock them out some people like oh my god i don't know never been asked that right so bonus question number one is how can someone bring immediate value to you or your business yeah bring a deal or bring a coaching client a referral yeah. okay what's a what's a deal like is, is it like a specific market like what's good for you because and like how do they know what's a deal well, if they don't have the knowledge, they can't bring a deal, right? And, right. and that's the main thing that I, I need people to get. Like, as a seasoned investor, I don't want to go direct to seller. I don't want to have to create deal flow. If somebody can bring me deals, that's the biggest issue in my business at any given point is not having the next deal to buy. So you that's the quickest way to bring value. All of this other stuff really ends up being a job because from a real estate perspective it's not going to drive to revenue outside of maybe bringing a resident but i'm just going to send them to the property manager versus me doing something with that right so yeah it's bringing a deal you have to have the knowledge to understand but i mean i'm on record telling people exactly what i'm looking for in a property and whether it's for me or for somebody in my network i don't think that part is that important but what is important is that they actually know that they have something of value and that it's worth some more than what is being asked for. So from my like me putting things together, like the best way to do that is they need to become a student or an apprentice. They they purchase probably your fastest course way. if they want to bring value to you. Right. Yeah. It's a and, fastest way. and they bring you some deals. Yeah. OK, so that's short term. How can someone bring you long term value? Yeah being proof that dreams should be real right like i i believe that we should be dream catchers not dream chasers and so for the people out there who aren't actually finishing they need somebody who finishes to know that there's a difference between just pursuing the thing and actually achieving or accomplishing the mission and so and then we have to actually show people tell people that that happened so that people know that it's possible for them too this is only to get you to go to the next level. It's never to brag or boast. And I, I think so many people miss that. They want to flex. They want to show other people that they're better than them. It's never about that. It's about helping them see what's possible. Because if it worked for you, it could work for me too. I, I like that. And like a, a theme that I see within like everything that your teachers like, go do something it's like implementation sure. like you got to do something with the stuff that you're learning 
and i think that's a that's a big problem like right now and it'll probably always be a big problem because most people don't do anything but I, I appreciate the fact that you're emphasizing like there needs to be action behind what it is that we're learning that that really jumps out when you speak yeah i mean i'm never going to and there's a lot of teachers who will offer to you that you don't have to have any money credit or energy in a thing in order to get become a multimillionaire. I, I told you guys early on that I thought it was hard. I still believe that it's hard. And if you're not willing to do hard work, then you're going to live an ordinary life. And I don't want anything that's ordinary. I want an extraordinary and it requires extraordinary effort. And effort is something that doesn't, it can't be taught, right? It is something that's inherent in you. It's something that you truly believe in and you go out and you do the things necessary in order to make that happen. So if that sounds appealing to you, then we can help. But if you're looking for something for nothing, we, we got nothing for that because we don't believe that that's the way that the world works. Thank you. I appreciate that. So we have like one more section and it's called the closing. These are the closing questions. It's called the closing table. It's real estate. Yay. Closing table. Right. So um, the first question I have for you, the closing questions are what are three books that you recommend to the audience and why? So the first one is Sizing People Up by Robin Dreek. And that book was transformational for me in 2020. I was meeting a whole lot of new people. I didn't know how to tell whether or not I should trust them. And this book breaks down the process of building and understanding who you should, who and why you should trust them. I used to believe that because I liked a person, I should trust them. And trust is not that. Trust is your ability to predict what a person's going to do. And if you can predict what a person is going to do, then you can anticipate the outcome, which allows you to make a decision on what you will or will not do. I think the next book would probably be Rich Dad Poor Dad for anybody who hasn't read it, simply because of the mindset shift that happens when you read the book, where the conversation about what poor is and what wealth is and the pulling out this concept that your house is an asset and a number of other ideas that I think are foundational and transformational, including the cash flow quadrant. And then the last one, and I think it's important for anybody that is in business is just how do you create leads? And so the book is $100 million offers by Alex Hermosi. And in that book, he breaks down the process of creating lead flow, deal flow, and creating these offers that are so good people feel guilty or stupid for not buying from you. And if you can do that, then you never, ever have to worry about whether or not you're going to be able to make money. Thanks. I, I appreciate that. And I got like two two pieces of input. The first one, because I can't remember, is uh, like making an offer that people can't like they feel guilty. So I like got like some business partners and accountability group. And it was like, there's so much stuff on your page. Like people what, like, why are you selling all of that stuff for sixteen dollars? And I was like, because I want them to feel silly when they say no. Right. That's how you create leads. Nobody else is doing that. Right. They get like all of this stuff. And it's like, why are you doing so much? And it's like you might lose money this is how you do it, right? You make the offer so good that they can't say no. And then the uh, the first book, what was the first book that you mentioned? Sizing People Up. Oh, Sizing People Up. So one of the things that I like to um, uh, bring up for people is like sometimes people 
believe that they have to like a person like what you're saying to work with them and like it's just all just like and it's like that's not really what it is right so uh could you talk about that like you you have any experience on working with people you don't like or t talk about that yeah i mean at this phase in my life i won't work with people i don't like because i don't have to i don't have to work with anybody at this point but in the past you know trust is what is necessary in order to get people to either invest in with you or buy something from you and so how can you quickly establish a, re a relationship that is based in trust so that you can eliminate the friction that you yeah. usually encounter when you're trying to move per somebody from a place that they are to the place that you want or the desired outcome and so that book lays out in six steps how you can do that and i think it's just a game changer for anybody out there who realizes that influence is the most valuable uh characteristic trait that a human can possess because through influence you can lead through influence you can sell through influence you could create a relationship or opportunity that i don't think most people even begin to understand it's possible Thank you. So we got one more question. Then we'll, I'm going to ask you for like a closing statement. The next question, what are three other podcasts you recommend to the audience and why? Yeah, so two of them will be mine, right? So the Perfect. first one is Dreamcatchers, which tells the stories of people who've exited the matrix. If you feel like you're trapped in a space where you got to work with people you don't like or you're doing work you're not passionate about, we capture these stories and tell you the tips, tricks, and tactics that they use in order to leave whatever matrix they were in and make their dream a reality. And the next one is multifamily missteps. So I scour the country and find multifamily operators and get them to come on and tell their biggest mistakes, the mistakes they don't want anybody else to make so that you don't have to make those mistakes. I think it's great for the HGTV real estate investing podcast where everybody makes money every time. But the reality is that's not the experience for over 90% of the marketplace. And so if we can get people to understand what to look out for and learn from other people's experiences, I think they end up in a really, really, really solid place. Uh, the, the last podcast, the one that I've been listening to the most here recently is going to be uh, the Ed Milet show. Ed is just bringing on some of the most amazing guests and digging in really deep on their story and their journey. And it's given me opportunity to learn from people who I probably wouldn't be able to get a sit down meeting with, even if I was willing to spend a hundred or $200,000 for an hour with them. So I, I just really enjoy his interview style and the information that he's putting out into the space. Yeah, that's, one of the things that I really appreciate about the podcast format is it sets up, like you're saying, those conversations that you'll never see otherwise. Like we wouldn't be having this conversation without this podcast format. So I, I really appreciate that. And I would like to know, like, how can uh, I suggest some guests to your podcast if, if you're open to it? Yeah, um, we can talk offline. OK, we'll, we'll work through it. OK. All right. So one more uh, I would like to. So I had like a guest on and she was like. Uh, when you give people the opportunity to do closing statement, they like ramble. So normally like what I would like to do is like closing word, like give us one word. 
no I wish I could give you a phrase but if I had to pick a word win win okay perfect and now right we get the word and then they don't give us the phrase you know the phrase is your dream should be real okay period dreams should be real Thank you, Jerome. I appreciate you. This was excellent. This was one of my favorite so far. Uh, I really appreciate like you have this like real practical down to earth uh, tonality like within your message. And I really appreciate that. I can see it. So thank you for being here. I appreciate you so much. And we'll 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 talk offline. Okay. thank you, sir. Absolutely.